If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be reading the same two verses of Scripture that we've been reading the last uh, three weeks prior, the fourth week today. First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It's also on your cards that I gave you, and Brother Lauren's got it on the screen. So if you'll stand with us all over the room, we're going to read these two verses, and then we're going to pray and get right into the Word today. If you're wondering where John and Janelle and Karen and Dennis are, uh, Karen was with us on staff retreat until about 5, a little after 5 on Friday. Uh, John and Dennis stopped by and picked her up and went on to Cleveland to pick up Janelle where she was at her brother's. And sometime in the morning, they'll get on a cruise boat to suffer for Jesus for a week. So uh, we hope they have a wonderful time. But if you're missing them today, that's where they are. First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. The word says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. I want to preach to you today for a few moments the fourth message in this series, Pray It Forward, and it's just simply titled, Let Your Hand Be With Us. How many wants God's hand to be with us? Amen. If you will, bow your heads and pray with me one more time. Father, we just thank you for your presence that's already been here. And now, God, as we've worshipped you and, and, and adored you and honored you today, God, now we're asking you to speak to us by your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips that I don't speak my words, but let me speak your words and what you would say to us today and anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive your word. And God, more than anything, we ask that we would leave this place differently than we came because we have been already in your presence. And now, God, we ask that you would change us by your word. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. As you know, I believe that the Lord has spoken to me. The mandate for this church in 2020 is to pray the kingdom of God forward. Now, I want to share something with you uh, as to how the Lord works and orchestrates everything and brings uh, everything together. Uh, back in September of last year, we opened a brand new daycare next door, uh, which, by the way... Um, uh, it was it was rather expensive. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But by the way, uh, Maggie Webb and her team is doing a phenomenal job next door. And as of this past week, we are finally 100% every seat in our daycare is full. Somebody ought to praise the Lord for that. We do have three of those children out of the uh, 30-some kids that are over there. Three of those are uh, part-time and they're aware that if we get a request for another full-time so we're still taking requests if we get a request for a full-time they get first dibs on that spot but if they don't want to go full-time then that full-time child will be enrolled but they've done a phenomenal job but with that said we had a lot a lot of expenses that we knew we were going to have and so I always uh, schedule staff retreat early I pray about it and I was 
praying and asking the Lord, I knew what the financial situation was here. We weren't in dire need, but it was also was, was that I did not need to probably spend a lot of money on staff retreat. So one Tuesday afternoon after Karen left, I hadn't said anything to her about it other than just requesting some financial information. And this was in October. After she left, I came to the altar right over there in the corner by that speaker. And I got down and I prayed. And I said, God, you're going to have to speak to me. I feel led and I want to do staff retreat and you've got something in me and I want to take the staff, but if I don't need to do this, I need you to let me know. And God, if I do need to do this, I need you to show me how and, and show me the way for us to do this. And I mean, I prayed. I felt like I got a hold of the Lord because I told the Lord, hey, we've got pod three over there, which is the upper room. We'll retreat to there. and We can go home and sleep and go home and eat and we can work over there for three days. But if you want us to go somewhere, speak to me and make a way. That was Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday night, I was sitting on my couch, and I was studying for the Wednesday night service, and I got a text that said, I had said something in the previous weeks about, some, about the staff retreat that we had taken a couple years prior and things we had done, and I got a text that said, hey, you said something about taking the staff on a retreat. Tell me about that. So I began to tell them about it. I'm just going to be real transparent and honest. The more questions they ask, I thought, well, great. This is probably somebody else that thinks I shouldn't be spending the money. <laughs> so I just answered the questions and I explained what we did and, and uh, how it came about and, and how the Lord has used it the past few years. And, and so anyway, when it was all said and done, they said, well, here's what, how many do you take? And I told them, I named off the staff and what we do and the number of time, the time that we stay there. And they said, to me, they said, well, here's what we want to do. We want to provide to you all free of charge a place to stay. And it was five bedrooms, five and a half bathrooms, accommodated all of our staff, and it did not cost us a dime for this past weekend. We ought to praise the Lord for that. So when they told me that, I knew. I knew that God had spoken, and He was like, this is what you're supposed to do. It's the first year we've never had to pay for the place that we stayed. Uh, other people have given to it before, but that was the first year for this. So anyway, I knew that. Then after that time was when the Lord began to speak to me about 2020. And I began to get the vision for what He was speaking to me for us to do and for the staff to do. And, and thus, Pray It Forward was literally born in late December, just before Christmas, uh, when I was, or no, just after Christmas, I'm sorry, uh, when I was standing in the the aisle of a TJ Maxx store and saw this sign literally sitting on the shelf and, and I said, pray what forward? And the Lord spoke to me and said, pray the kingdom of God forward. There's work for this church to do. And so thus I searched the word. You know how the story goes and the prayer of Jabez is what the Lord kept taking me back to. So we got, we left here Thursday afternoon at one o'clock and we walked in the cabin and, um, to my knowledge, those people had not been there. Uh, and we walked into the cabin, and Angie walks over, and she picks up this book, and she says, is this yours? And I said, no, because it was identical to the same Prayer of Jabez devotional book that I have laying right now on my nightstand at home. And it was laying right there near the guest book for uh, whoever stays in that cabin to read. And I just looked up and I said, thank you, Jesus. God is confirming time after time after time what he wants us to do. So with that said, I'm going to tell you... Uh, I believe that God has a mandate for this church. This is not just a sermon series that I came up with out of nowhere. God has a mandate and an assignment for Freedom Point Church. Do you believe that? 
I believe He wants us to see souls born into the kingdom this year, not just to this church, but also into the kingdom. And so thus, last week, Wednesday night, we had the, the time of corporate prayer. It was wonderful. I'm telling you, you're going to see that happening in the future. And when you see it announced, don't miss it. Do your best to be here because God's speaking to us as we speak to Him. So today, we're going to continue to look at the prayer of Jabez. And I want, as we seek to understand how God works through prayer and how He works in the lives of people who pray to a God who is able to do all things. Do you believe God is able to do all things this morning? So we're going to look at the third part of Jabez's request. He says, let your hand be with me. And I'm excited to share with you today what this can mean for us. And I think it's going to be exciting to you too. So I want to do the same thing we've done the last few weeks. You can take your card or it'll be on the screen. But I want you to read along with me uh, this passage beginning with verse 10. Let's read it out loud. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. We began our series by taking a look at the person of Jabez, noting that his name was one that could have tied him to a lifetime of bitterness because his name is actually the Hebrew word for pain. Yet he chose to rise above his name to become a man of noble character. And in looking at the prayer, we saw that the first part where Jabez asked for God's blessing. And rather than this being a selfish prayer, it was actually a crying out to God to shower Jabez with everything that God had for him. Realizing that without the blessings of God, he had no hope of accomplishing the task that was before him. Can I tell you that without the blessings of God, we have no hope of accomplishing the task that God has given us to do. And last week we looked at the second part, enlarge my territory. And we saw that this was much more than just a request for more land. It was also a request for more responsibility and for more influence. I shared with the staff this week, and they are very visionary, and uh, they came up with something that I didn't come up with, but I said, uh, as, as we ask God to enlarge our territory, listen to me, church, we should be asking God to help us reach as many people with the gospel as we can possibly reach. We should be asking God to help us get as many people that are lost, saved, and on their way to heaven as we can possibly get. Can I hear an amen? We should be seeking for that. And I shared with them uh, first of all, uh, the first thing that we need to do if we're going to reach the lost, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we have a poor, pitiful something sitting over in the corner of this parking lot that we call a van. It's about died. Larry Osborne, who pastored uh, pastors, a extremely large church out in California who has some awesome teaching on pastoral leadership, he has a philosophy that I'm in 100% agreement with. He says, let dying things die. I told the staff, I said, we need to bury that van and send it on to be with Jesus. It's done. But before we can do that, we don't even run it to go get 
bus kids anymore because of all of the problems that we've had with it and because we've not been able to staff it with somebody to drive it because nobody wants to deal with the problems that we have with it. So we're, they, they had a visionary idea that they came up with. Uh, not only that, um, another thing that we need to do, listen, uh, I challenge you to consider what would happen if we were to expand our territory by each of us reaching our area, our place of influence that God has placed us in uh, for the Lord. Amen? You know, today, I'm not sure what the count is. I'll find out after service. But every given Sunday, it's it's too many to be able to fit in one service. This is already the second service that we've had today. But I have a vision of us being able to get into one building and having a worship service together with the 250 or 275 people that want to attend here. Don't you? I have that vision. One of the reasons I have that vision is this. Not so that we can have a big building to brag about, but because it literally dawned on me in the last few recent weeks, and I think the Lord was trying to speak to me about this, when texts would go out about prayer requests and different things going on, I would get texts back, or the church system would get texts back with questions on who is so-and-so. And I thought, my goodness, how does a church that runs about 250 every Sunday between two services have people that don't even know each other by name? And then I began to think about it. I'll tell you how. Because sometimes so-and-so is very dedicated to the 845 service, and the people that are asking are very dedicated to the 11 a.m. service, and their paths never cross each other, and thus they don't know who everybody is. I have a vision that God's going to provide for us a building where we'll all assemble under one roof together and work together to get souls saved for the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? I believe God wants to do that. So they came up with this thing called uh, Project EOT. Uh, and that just simply means enlarge our territory. Project EOT. So there's going to be some times this year, and I'm not going to shy away from it and not ask you to do it. I believe that it's time that if we want to see souls saved, we get serious about the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? So we're going to have a series of offerings this year, the first of which is going to be on March the 22nd, and we'll finish it up on March the 29th. That's the fifth Sunday of the month. And I believe that in two services, and our staff believes that we can raise enough money to buy a van. How many believes that? And not have to have a pay? How many really believes that? Let me hear you. I believe, how many believes God's able? Angie and I are going to sacrificially give into that because we don't need a payment. I believe we can, I didn't say a new van. We can buy a van that is dependable that we can pay cash for. I believe that. Then at another point this year, we're going to have another Project EOT offering. We're going to ask God to enlarge our territory. And we have a land note loan that we've been paying down on the principal. But we need to pay off that thing and get rid of it. It's time to bury it and send it on to be with Jesus. So that we've got the equity in our land that we need to build the building that God wants us to build. To reach the community that God has given us to reach. Does anybody else besides your pastor believe that today? And you know, last week I brought out those plans and I had them in here and you probably no doubt saw them as you entered the building today. They're out there in the foyer and I put them there to help trigger your thoughts and prayers to ask God. We have not because we ask not to ask God to do big and mighty things through this church. And so we spent a lot of time discussing the vision uh, of 
your leadership in this church, and you're blessed with a wonderful staff. I thank the Lord for them. I saw so many wonderful things this weekend, but you're also blessed with a wonderful counsel that God has given us to lead this church. So today, as we look at Jabez's cry that God's hand would be with him, in looking at this part of the prayer, I want to cover a few aspects of God's hand and how that it should impact us. I want us to leave here today excited about God being involved in our lives and involved in our service for Him. You see, Jabez recognized that if God were to grant his request regarding blessing and enlarging of his territory, he would need the hand of God to help him handle it all. He would need God's hand. And so Jabez sought God's hand in his life because he knew how desperately he needed it. Simply stated, he knew his limitations. He knew that his strength alone was insufficient for the journey of a life dedicated to everything that God had for him to do. So we find that Jabez pled with God and begged God for his presence, like they sang about this morning, to be found in God's life for his divine strength and for his perfect guidance and his protection. Can I tell you, if we need anything in the church today, we need the presence of God in our midst. Can I hear an amen? Because in God's presence, wonderful things take place. And I'm convinced, listen, I'm convinced that God is not only blessing our church. He is. But I believe that He's beginning to expand our territory as well. As people see us taking our places and allowing God to work through us. And as He allows us to interact with people outside of our normal circles of influence. And I want to give you something that you can hang on to and take to the bank when exploring the possibilities of new blessings and new territories as we contemplate the work that God has for us to do. So I'm going to give you a lot of different scripture today. If you're taking notes, jot these down because I'm going to go quickly through some of them. But I'm going to give you some references as we go through this together. The first thing I want to cover today is that God's hand is mighty. Can I hear an amen? If you've been coming here for a while, it's no surprise... Uh, that I believe in a big and a mighty God who can do big and mighty things. And we're going to look at just three things that He's mighty to do, but I want to specifically hammer home the point that there is nothing, listen to me, outside the realm of possibility of what our God can do. There is nothing. Listen, folks, I said there's nothing. There's no disease that He cannot heal. There's no person so lost that He cannot save them. There's no drug addict so bound that he cannot deliver them. Hey, listen, you've got one sitting in your midst this morning that never went through one day of detox except for the detoxification that the Holy Ghost did in her life. You've got one sitting in our midst that never went through one day of rehab because the God that we serve is able to deliver to the uttermost. Somebody say amen. Listen, Scripture doesn't exalt God as God all wimpy. It doesn't say that he's God halfway decently strong. It doesn't say that he's God that can do some things. How does scripture describe God? It says he's God almighty and there is nothing he cannot do. In fact, that's one of his names in Genesis 17 and 1. And Lauren, you don't have this one, but God tells Abraham that his name is God Almighty. In Exodus 6 and 3, God tells Moses that His name is God Almighty. And there's hundreds of other instances where God is described as Almighty. So now that we've established that, let's look at some of the things that He is mighty to do. The first thing He's mighty to do is create. Some of you said, well, duh. It's the first scripture in the Bible 
that tells us what he did. Genesis 1 and 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, Pastor, why would you get so elementary on us this morning and start there? I'll tell you why. We need to make sure that we drive this point home in our children and in our homes. Because they're entering into other places that are presenting other ideas as to how this world came about. And they need to be strong enough in their faith to know, no, 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 that's not right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in case you haven't thought about it before, let me just tell you that creating this world of ours took some, took some almighty thinking and doing. He had to create just the right balance of oxygen and nitrogen. Just the right climates and the weather and the placement of the land and the water. That's why I love the song, I Know My Redeemer Lives. It says, who told the ocean you can only come this far? He had to figure the right balance of the seasons and everything else to work just right so that it wouldn't uh, obliviate itself or obliterate itself and tear itself apart with the might of the seas and the winds and all of the stuff that goes on in this world so that it would be just right for his best and his favorite creation. Do you know who that is? You. You are his best and his favorite creation. And unfortunately, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we're living on an earth that is cursed and we can't enjoy the wonderful perfection that God created in the beginning. But listen, that does not negate the fact that Almighty God created this earth and all the complexities of it. Think about the human body and all the intricate workings of your body. Millions of capillaries and blood vessels and miles of veins and feet upon feet of intestines and all the different things that it takes to make your body work perfectly, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God is mighty to create. The second thing that He is uh, mighty to create, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Can I tell you today that if you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, you don't have to struggle with the same thing that you lay down at this altar when you give it to Him. You don't have to turn around this week and go back to the same sin that He delivered you from. No, no, no. If you are a new creation in Christ, that old stuff has passed away and the new has come. All things have become new. And see, that's good news because that means that there's not only hope for every one of us inside here as He molds us and shapes us for use in His kingdom, but there's also hope for all of the people out there who still need to hear the transforming gospel of the power of Jesus Christ. So while He was powerful to create the heavens and the earth, He's powerful to make us new creations in Christ. Next, He is mighty to save. From what? Well, any number of things. He can save us from a life of abuse, whether it is self-inflicted by the use of drugs and alcohol, or whether it was inflicted by the hands of somebody else. It doesn't matter. He can save us from it. I'm thankful He can save us from our poor decisions. He can save us from destructive relationships. Listen to me, parents. 
You need to have an eye on the relationships that your children have. You don't need the devil to be able to send somebody else in that can tear down in just a few days or minutes or weeks something that you've worked your whole life to instill in your children. You need to monitor those relationships and get rid of what's destructive. God can save us from destructive relationships. I'm about to preach right here. Some of you are looking for some hope and some help in a man, ladies. Or some of you men are looking for some hope and some help in a woman. Don't allow yourself to get attacked to a destructive relationship that tears down your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to find a good man or you want to find a good woman, they ought to be buried so deep in Jesus that you got to get close to Him just to find out who they are. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Except those that aren't doing it. Hallelujah. He can save us from our poor decisions. He can save us from destructive relationships. He can save us from a number of things. But most importantly of all, He can save us from the penalty that we deserve because of our sins. I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Hebrews 7 and 25. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him since He always lives to intercede for them. The King James Version says, uses the term to the uttermost instead of the word completely. But you get the idea here. God doesn't just save us somewhat. I'm going to preach to you this morning. When God saves you, He doesn't just kind of, sort of save you. Hello, somebody. He doesn't just save you a little bit. He doesn't save you halfway. He saves you completely. When He did it, when He said it was finished, it was done. You can mark it down. The price has been paid for your sins. And if God has saved you, you are saved. And when you call upon the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ, it will wash you clean of all sin. And yet that's something we ought to shout about. We don't have to walk around wondering if the salvation He offers will get the job done. The job's already done. And it's done completely. There's nothing we can add. And there's nothing that He can add or needs to add. Because there's nothing more to add. We ought to be excited about that that we can know that we know that we know that we're saved you can sleep well knowing your salvation is complete and thirdly he's mighty to protect psalms 91 14 through 16 because he has his heart set on me i will deliver him this is the lord speaking i will protect him because he knows my name when he calls out to me i will answer him i will help him in trouble i will rescue him and give him honor i will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. We're going to focus a little bit more on that next week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But let me just say that God is mighty, and He's mighty to protect us. He's mighty to protect our children when we ask Him to. He's mighty to protect our families when we ask Him to. And I hope they don't get embarrassed by me telling this, but Dennis and Renee Cooper left here Wednesday night from the corporate prayer service, went their normal route home to the end of American Greeting Card Road, and they go across the highway and up Queen Hill to go down into town where they live. And they do it all the time. But they left here Wednesday night, and they don't really know what happened. It wasn't that nobody wasn't paying attention, but they just missed the road. They went across 25, and instead of going on the road to go up Queen Hill past Taco Bell and Aldi, they went a little bit too far to the right, and they went straight across the highway and right into that deep 
deep culvert that's over there. But can I tell you, God's hand was mighty to protect them. They're sitting here this morning, no broken bones, nobody got injured in the accident, little dent in the vehicle, but guess what? God's hand of protection is upon His people. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're troubled or fearful, or we just need some encouragement. And what a comfort to know that God is there with an open hand to take ours and to lift us up when we're down and encourage us when we're weak and to calm us when we're fearful. And aside from God's hand being mighty, God's hand is righteous. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, His hand will deliver the righteous judgments upon this earth and His people, but His hand of righteousness will also extend mercy to us. Let's read what Isaiah 41 and 10 says. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Listen to this. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. I love this passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorites. Because God's hand is His instrument of justice. Because here's the key here. Listen. His hand is holy and it is just. His hand is holy and it is just. See, once we've given our hearts and our life to Him, no matter what comes our way. Hear your pastor this morning. No matter what you may be going through in this sin-stricken world, be it a failure of our own doing to an illness we did not ask for. Listen to me. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. God will strengthen us. God will help us. And though it might have taken you by surprise, it never took God by surprise. And you don't have to worry and fret. He knows about what's going on in your life. And He's got you right in the palm of His right hand. Hallelujah. And He will act in a holy and a just manner to bring about His purpose in your life. And His righteous right hand will encompass us as we seek to do the work to reach others for Him. Psalms 37, 5 through 9 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will what? Do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. That's a message in and of itself. And wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Listen, I'm going to back up. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out in their wicked schemes. Listen, stop looking at people and telling God, God, I do all of this and this and this for you. Why aren't you doing this for me? They live like this and they seem to have everything they want and they seem to, their children are healthy or their spouse is healthy and stop looking at that. What's the word say? Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Listen for what he says. For those who are evil, it might be looking good right now, but those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. God's righteous hand will triumph every single time. God's hand is mighty. His hand is righteous. And thirdly, and lastly, His hand is active. It's active. You know, there are people in this world that are known as deists. They practice what is called deism. And among other things, they believe that God created the world. But rather than taking an active role in the affairs of men, that God just sits passively by just watching. And they liken God to someone who winds up a clock and just lets it run. 
You know, we tend to think sometimes that our nation and our country is in the worst shape that it's ever been in. And it is pretty bad sometimes, but it's not. This is no, there's no new thing under the sun. It's been really bad before. You might not have been around, but how many knows who Thomas Jefferson are, was? Benjamin Franklin. How many knows those guys? Did you know that Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin were among those people holding this position? They were deists. And it's still around today. They just can't believe that God would act in the lives of individuals and societies. In fact, you may not know this. You can look it up, but please don't order it. Thomas Jefferson brought out his own copy of the Bible. He messed with the Bible. His publication has taken all of the miracles recorded out. They're not there. His version of the Bible took all the miracles out because reasonable men cannot believe in miracles. His version of the Bible doesn't end with the resurrection. It's not even in there. It ends with the crucifixion. I can guarantee you that Mr. Jefferson knows a little bit better by now. Because I'm here to tell you this morning that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has acted on behalf of His people from the beginning of human history, is still acting on His people today. You've come too late to tell me He's not still saving souls. He's not still delivering people that need delivered from bondage. You've come too late to tell me that God cannot heal. I wouldn't be standing before you today preaching the Word of God if it wasn't for God's healing power. You can't tell me that God's hand of protection is not still active on somebody like Cheryl Tinsley who was in Lake Huron for how many hours? 16 hours. Everybody else with her died of hypothermia. But she's not only sitting here today, she's teaching school and speaking as a motivational, inspirational speaker across this country as to what the power of the hand of God can do. The God I serve is still very well alive and active doing miracles today. We're the ones that changed. We're the ones that stop asking. We're the ones that stop believing. And it's time that we ask again. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's not changed. Nothing in Scripture indicates that He's decided to stop being involved in the lives of those who love Him. Just put Him to the test and see if He won't move in your life. As they come to the music this morning, I want to look at three ways very quickly that He's active. The first one is he's active to bring justice. Psalms 10, 16 through 18. The Lord is king forever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike in terror. Listen, if you're worried about this country and the mess that it's in, God will bring justice in his time and in his manner. And he didn't call any of us to make the mistake that we can help God get the job done. You don't need to fight. I'm going to preach to you right now. I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. You don't need to fight nasty political battles and label the name of Jesus Christ on it. I'm just going to tell you something right now. I got a little quiet in the 845 service. It's probably going to get quiet in here again. But I was appalled to watch the news and see that people went to Frankfurt when a group of Muslim children came to the capital 
And they stood in the name of God on the streets and held signs to those children, not adults, children, that told them they were going to burn in hell. That, that said things in a manner that is not the way. That is not the way that Jesus Christ expects us to reach the lost. I said that is not the way that Jesus Christ expects us to reach the lost. God forbid that there be anybody in the church that wants to see somebody else burn in hell. If that's you, I suggest you hit this altar today and get things right with God. Because when God saved me, He gave me a compassion for people. Those children have been trained that way from the time they were born. And it's not our job to act ugly in the name of God to try to get them saved. But it is our job to show the love of Jesus Christ and extend a hand of love to them and lead them in the right direction. God didn't call any of us to get the job done. God will do it in His time. We just need to be His hands and feet. Before we leave this area of justice, I want to share a quote that I read regarding justice and here's what it said. I looked at the world and cried to God for justice. Then I looked at myself and cried to God to mercy. Cried to God for mercy. Let that sink in. Next, God is active in His kingdom. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority is given in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is the job done yet? Is the job done yet? Not by a long shot. I think it's safe to say... That God wants us to take His name to every person possible. What's this mean for us, Pastor? It simply means that God's working right here in Corbin, Kentucky. And He's working right here in Freedom Point Church. I believe that. And as I said last week, I'm convinced that the time will come when we will be sending people from this congregation to faraway places to spread the gospel. And He's active, thirdly, to change lives. The Bible says God's active in transforming people to be more like Him. See, on our own, we wouldn't even think of pleasing God or being godly. It takes the moving of God to change us. But He loves to move. And you know, right now, at this moment in time, God is moving in the hearts and the lives of countless people all around this globe, everywhere, right now, that are in church. Maybe that are not in church. Maybe that are watching by live stream. But some of those people that he's speaking to and that he's moving on, they're sitting right here in this room today. You are some of those people that God is speaking to. And sometimes he just gently woos us to a recognition of something that needs to be given to him. Sometimes he just knocks us upside the head or he does me. Because we won't get it any other way. Listen. If you'll stand with me all over the room today. God has the power to transform you. If you need transformation today, He's in the business of creating new creatures in Christ. That's what He loves to do. You just got to recognize your need for God to do some transforming in your life. He can transform you from somebody that's struggling with sinful habits to somebody who lives a victorious life that reflects holiness and purity. He can transform you from a weak person to a strong person. Walking in the strength of the Lord. 
let me clue you in on a little secret. If we want God to transform this growing church into a large body of believers, then listen, those people out there need to see the hand of God working in the lives of the people who have been inside of here. Did you hear me? Those people out there need to see the hand of God working in the lives of the people that have been inside here. So today, God's hand is mighty. It's righteous and it's active. And like Jabez Church, we are desperate for the hand of God to act on our behalf. I don't want to play church. I ain't got time to play church. I'm not building a career or a business. I mean business for the kingdom. And with the hand of God working in us and through us, listen, we cannot lose. But if we want Him to do it, we have to ask. So right now we've reached the most important part of this service. What takes place right now is the most important thing that's happened all day. The altar service. And I hope you didn't get up and go to the effort to get showered. I hope you showered. Get dressed and get in your car and drive here to God's house to hear and experience everything that was saying and said and done to Him and for Him just to get back in your car and drive to lunch or even drive home without speaking to Him for yourself. That's why this is the most important thing we can do. Family, everybody in this building needs Him for various reasons in our lives. We need His hand to be with us. And now's the time to talk to Him. So they're going to sing, and we're going to pray. If you're lost and you don't know Him, you need to invite Him in today. We're going to open this altar and you can come and you can kneel in this altar or you can kneel at your seat. And if you're not able to kneel, you can stand or you can sit. But just begin to talk to Him. He wants to hear your voice.